This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Hey everybody, just before this episode starts... We need to discuss a couple things here. Logan, Utah is getting its first Paracon. It's going to be on October 8th. Location and other details are to be announced. But as it sits right now, my group, Bear River Paranormal, will have a booth there. And I was also asked by the founder of the Paracon that's going to be hosted here in Logan to be a special speaker at this event. So if you would like to come and see me speak or come and see our booth, we will have all of our information posted up on our website and we'll also have information posted up on every single episode leading up to October 8th and then we will go from there. Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about some of these side projects that we've been working on for the past three to four years. Now, outside of doing podcasting, we've actually been doing some filming work, not just our work, but with other people as well, particularly with an individual up in Idaho and then also another individual here in Utah who he moved over to Reno for the next little bit i don't know if he's gonna permanently stay there or if he'll come back or whatnot but we have been working on some filming projects just to test the waters and see how that goes and see how well everything goes and everything and we're definitely been quite interested in doing the projects and everything like that it definitely is a lot of work now david and i we sat down with Travis was the first idea of doing a filming project and David do you want to talk your opinions about that particular project um yeah so that was like our first attempt to potentially do anything uh with an outside crew to film and uh for what it's worth Travis and his guys uh were really good really professional guys um but they're used to doing uh like set piece filming like they have a schedule they have their shots that they do and I think they they have a specific uh, practice when it comes to knowing what they're going to shoot before they shoot it kind of kind of thing whereas I think paranormal uh, filming is a, is a little bit different where you're kind of 
there is set pieces you do, but when you're actually filming, I feel like it's more on the fly filming because you're never going to know what's going to happen. So you have to have that type of uh, guerrilla style shooting that you can pan and move and do things in a faster pace than I think they were uh, used to, to shooting. Mm-hmm. But overall, good, good guys. Uh, I'm still friends with uh, all of them uh, through Facebook and stuff. But uh, we just filmed one project with them uh, at the Union Station here in Ogden. That was a uh, went really well for, for what it's worth. Uh, just nothing really came out of it, so we just kind of had to depart ways and kind of abandon uh, that that project that we started with them. Mm-hmm. But doing it, uh, there was a lot of good learning, and that to see how uh, they they work and how 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 it could potentially we can move forward and learn from how we filmed it to to film better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that they took all these different steps which we were not familiar with because we've never done this type of work before. So we didn't know that there was going to be numerous pieces of equipment that is behind the scenes to record everything, uh, video and audio-wise. Some of the B-roll that they shot as well, they had fancy rigs to to move the camera and make it nice and steady and get that nice little panoramic view during their b-roll shoots and and all that good jazz it was quite an eye-opener to be honest with you and really the union station one was the only one that was produced we hit what three or four locations david i know we did the tb hospital up in gooding we did needful things and bountiful was there another one besides the union station i can't remember technically we started with his house yeah technically yes that was the kind of like the first one we did which that was more of a residential investigation and then that's right. what steamrolled this whole project thing but those three commercials were like the only one because it was going to potentially start with this house that was like going to be the opening to the the project of how things got started um their shots for like b-roll and the beginning and everything were, were, were shot in good cameras beautiful quality and uh the opening was good i think what ultimately ended up us kind of not uh continuing the project and it's no fault of uh of travis because uh, the problem with what we do when we do these projects is uh we're doing them on our own time you know we're it's not we're not no one was getting paid to do any of this so it was out of the goodwill of everybody and i will say the the hardest thing about filming in general um it's not getting the equipment it's not knowing how to use the equipment it's not shooting it it's not getting there it's editing i think editing is the hardest thing that will keep anybody from doing just filming projects whenever they want because that is by far the hardest i think out of everything so with travis editing uh when when people looked at it when people uh saw the editing um there was a they had a lot of questions a lot of things didn't make sense and it was just hard for Travis to want to go back and do any tweaks or adjustments to it. Yeah. So it was just one of those that we were like, well, thank you for trying, but uh, we're just going to probably try to do our, it on, on our own kind of thing. Yeah, because filming the paranormal versus filming everything else is a lot different. There's a lot of cameras out on the market that just can't do night vision. And David was able to locate... A camera was like what just north of a thousand dollars that can still do 4k quality footage but can do 
night vision as well, right, David? Yeah, it was like it's a Sony cam, and I think it's like mm-hmm. the the highest you can find at the time that uh, is high grade, but still could do night vision. Because if I went any tier higher than the camera I have, uh, they no longer do night vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in fact, if I remember correctly, I think they were shooting on a red camera, to be honest with you. So they still had to have some sort of ambient light to be able to record anything video-wise. And I think when it comes to the paranormal, most of the stuff that we're going to be doing is at night, we have to have a particular camera to be able to, to shoot the night vision. Now, doing filming projects and everything, obviously it's not cheap. We could still obtain the equipment needed and everything like that, but like David said, it's the editing part. I tell you what, the just editing, just audio, just for a podcast, has been ten times easier than putting together a video episode and doing all the editing and stuff like that. I'm still trying to learn the loops and everything, because I moved from using Sony Vegas to using the Adobe Suites. And that was a huge learning curve. Primarily, we used Sony Vegas to, during our investigations and everything, I would use it to clip the evidence, you know, enhance the video a little bit to make it a little more clearer, you know, lighten it up a little bit if need be, and then enhance the audio if there's any audio evidence in in that particular clip. That was pretty easy to use on Sony Vegas. It was definitely a learning curve on the Adobe Suites. Now that I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to get more comfortable with the Adobe Suites and everything, it's starting to make more sense, particularly on the audio aspect of it. There's so much things that you can do with the audio, you know, and and it made me realize that we live in a day and age where a lot of people can literally fake their evidence using programs like Adobe or Sony Vegas and stuff like that. It makes it so easy to create evidence when there wasn't really evidence to be there. And that's the scary part. I mean, everybody's seen the stuff that's been flowing around Facebook, you know, to fake evidence and, you know, the voices, the anomalies, all that good jazz. But primarily we were wanting to use it just to document our evidence. Now, we wanted to try to do more raw than anything else because you guys can actually see what we like to do like during investigations and everything and and show a different side of it that they don't show on tv i mean yeah they can cram a bunch of awesome things in one hour episode but it's a total of like three to five days worth of filming to produce that one episode and i don't feel that that's realistic of what they portray on tv versus real life so when when david and i got together and wanting to do our own project you know it's it's a daunting task it's still in progress you know obviously we all have lives we all have things to do we got clients to appease we all have you know families to be with stuff like that so it's been a little more difficult i think my biggest thing is if i can just sit down for a solid two weeks if i can just be uninterrupted for two weeks to pick apart the Adobe Suites and learn all the basic stuff and put it all together and start tweaking it and playing with new settings and new features, you know, stuff like that. Once I can get that all figured out and I can save the presets and everything, 
then every episode after that should be a breeze. That's the glorious thing about the Adobe Suites is you can set your presets, you can set your favorites and everything, and at the end of the day, it ends up benefiting you because now all you have to do is just upload it, do it like you want to, apply the presets, apply the favorites, yada yada yada, go over it a couple times, you know, have a few people watch it, make sure everything's copacetic, and then it should be out the door. You know, obviously I'm just paraphrasing, obviously it's going to take a few weeks to be able to get that done and everything, but ultimately that's where I want to get to when we continue on with the filming project. Now, the next group of people that we did the filming project with is an individual named Dan Simpson up in Idaho. He actually approached us, what, three years ago, David, at the festival? Want to do a collaboration? Yeah, in Salt Lake when we were at the uh, um, Fort Douglas when, mm-hmm. we, when we did that uh, Paracon up there. Um, mm-hmm. And surprisingly, uh, when we did that one, that's when we were debuting our uh, Union Station filming project was when we uh, Dan approached us because he, yeah. he saw what, what we were kind of promoting, which is funny when we do those Paracons. Uh, a lot of people just come up to us and ask us, uh, so what's our deal? And they see our table, and then we end up having to tell them, oh, we're just a group, uh, just promoting our group to people out there. And uh, it's interesting that people are like, oh, okay, and like, surprised that they are seeing a paranormal group at a paranormal festival, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Which is interesting. But, uh, yeah, he approached us, and his idea of um, wanting to kind of combine uh, music uh, in the paranormal world that uh, really intrigued me and uh, not something that has been done yet and so this filming project with Dan which has been really fun to do in many ways but also I'm the most excited about to, to see it uh, complete um, which again is one of those things where we have everything pretty much filmed and done and uh, is now just in the editing process. Um, but uh, the editing process with uh, Stormy, who's the actual, uh, I would say he's considered the producer slash filmmaker. Yeah. Um, uh, he has a life too, and he just went through so many transitions. I think he got uh, moved into a house and, and everything down in Idaho, and then COVID hit, and he's doing his business. So everything... Uh, became a, a standstill with that for the past uh, a year and a half now mm-hmm. um, but hopefully looking forward to getting that going because we filmed uh, in great places uh, up in Idaho and in Utah uh, some mm-hmm. in Utah that I think everyone will be familiar with uh, that we did and then one place that some people may not be familiar with and then same in Idaho we did one that I think a lot of people might be familiar with mm-hmm. and they might be surprised with um, I don't know if you want to give hints, Shane, on uh, what those filming locations we did yeah. are at. Yeah, we can. I mean, the first project, that, the first episode that we did was at Albion. Um, and if anybody's not familiar with that, it's an old school up in Idaho, pretty much out there in the middle of nowhere in the sticks. I mean, Ghost Adventures did it. so Yeah, I'm... Ghost Adventures did it, so it should be pretty uh, uh, recognizable. No. Yeah. But it was a quite intense location. 
particularly in the auditorium mm. where we were doing most of the filming and everything and down in the basement whoo that basement was something else now uh, they particularly use this location for um, Halloween attraction stuff like that but they also do allow teams to go in there and investigate so it was quite an interesting experience going out there and it was quite a drive getting up there and everything if I remember correctly we did a cleansing right before we went there didn't we did, did we? I can't I remember. Think so. I, I think so. I think we went area. all the way up to Twin first to do yeah. a cleansing, and then we went back down to Albion. God, that's a lot. It was a long day. Right? Yeah, it was a long that. day. Well, what's also cool about Albion is we did just do the auditorium, and for what it's worth, the auditorium is freaking huge. Mm-hmm. But they had like three to four other buildings in that area that we didn't even touch, mm-hmm. which it'd, it'd be awesome to go back up there and do other buildings. But at the time when we went there, they were doing like a, a fundraiser thing, which was cool. And they were trying to get some money to like do a lot of renovations up there. Yeah. So it'd, it'd be interesting to see what, what, what they've done now up there. And I would very much love to go back up there at some point. Oh yeah. But so the idea back to the, this filming thing that we did with Dan, um, which was interesting uh, when we first did Albion, because I was very curious to see how it was going. I mean, they did they did a cover of uh, Metallica mostly, is what mm-hmm. they did, and it's kind of interesting because you you look at it in two different ways. You look at it and uh, is the type of music they're playing gonna affect uh, you know the environment that spirits uh, will react to it, and then you have the other thing is uh, when they did their performance. I mean, they have lots of electrical equipment up there you know you have amps so you have a lot of energy up there which with my meters and my scientific tools i was able to you know get significant readings that yeah this amp is putting off a lot of emf and all that stuff but then also once they started playing their music and we're up there with them too you know recording stuff and getting a bunch of measurements every time the drummer would hit his bass drum it's sending a, a wave you know that we can't see but you feel the wave and it's making my uh meter you know just just jump up up so if not only for the fact of what they're playing is going to affect the spirits uh the wavelength in the energy forms that it's going to hit the spirits how are they going to react to it will they feed off of it will they react negatively to it you know in that type of environment also with the fact that we we're playing in an amphitheater uh so is that where we're probably the first people to perform in there and since it was open so that might be bringing us back to a time in which it was in operation so that can affect energy in a different way as well so there Agreed. were a lot of factors that were going into it that i was thinking that this is this is totally different than anyone's done and we were getting amazing evidence so what we did was is that we'd film stationary the band playing right they're doing their thing and we're in the area and then they would take a break in between their sets and then we go into the investigation so yeah that was the first uh location that we did filming with them and mm-hmm. it was very very nice um the props in that in that building they were there obviously um and uh, definitely there, set there, the there's mood. one funny little scene yeah, yeah, like, uh, what is it? There's that uh, chick in the chair with mm-hmm. the long hair, you know, just, and it's one of those where if it's plugged in, it's supposed to jump out at you. Yeah. Every time I walked by that by myself, I just looked at it and pointed. I said, if you fucking move, I'm going <laughs> to cold cock you right in the face. Every time I walked by, I was like, don't move, don't move, don't move. Every time I walked by that thing, because I freaking hated it. Um, but then near the end, I'll just do a little uh, teaser of what uh, what happened at the end 
um, mm-hmm. where I have my ovulus and we're in the basement and you got the film crew, you and me and everybody. Um, and my ovulus is saying some stuff and then we're hearing some big bangs and pipes. And then I think at some point it says something that like, we're like, all right, we're done. And everyone just starts freaking leaving. And I'm over here trying to get all my equipment put back in the case. And I turn around and everyone's gone. I'm like, God damn it. They left me. <laughs> and so I start trying to trail them. And every time I get closer to you guys, like I snag my leg on this net rope thing that's there. I'm like, gosh, dang it. And I go and we get closer to you guys. And then there's like a tree in there and the branch catches my shirt. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. And I try to get caught. Like, and I'm trying to get closer to you guys and like, everything keeps like trying to prevent me and I feel like something's right on my ass and I was like Mm -hmm. I am not liking this at all and I was just like trying to freaking get out of there as fast as I can and things are just like right on me yeah that was Mm -hmm. that was very very interesting like I wasn't scared obviously it was just one of those things that the adrenaline started actually pumping Mm -hmm. and I was like yeah I want to get get out of here yeah honestly the format of how he wanted to film definitely made sense and I think we got quite a bit of evidence in between sets and while the set was happening I mean we were catching uh, evidence while they were playing and the whole thing about incorporating music with the paranormal now if you've seen that one TV show I can't remember what it's called was it Ghost Brothers or something like that the ones down in South that play on that banjo or whatever did they ever do that I've, the few episodes that I've seen, because I was curious on how that would do or whatever, the Wraith Ghost Chasers or whatever they're called. I was going to say, because the Ghost Brothers, they were like uh, the, just three guys um, down yeah. down south. But I didn't like their style. They, they made yeah. too many jokes. Like they were just kind of clowning around, joking around. But then they try to be serious at some point. And then they heavily relied on their phone apps too, which I did not like at all. Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't get into that. That was on like on the Travel Channel for a minute. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about them. Um, but let's see, there was the Tennessee Wraith Chasers. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, something Those like that. Those su- southern guys down there? Yeah, they were playing like a banjo or guitar or something like that on a couple of the episodes that I watched and everything. And I didn't really see anything materialized evidence-wise from it. But it's a proof of concept, though, because... But that's just on a acoustic guitar, though, right? Yeah, and just like an banjo. acoustic. That's something that's just uh, stringed and everything. When you yeah. start adding uh, the electrical stuff that that they our guys were doing, it, it's a little bit different than just just ambient music. Yeah, because they're using all these electrical equipment that's putting off massive amounts of EMF and also putting out those wavelengths as well, uh, audio-wise and and uh, EMF. It, helps the spirits gather up their energy and actually want to communicate with us and present themselves to us so and it was very apparent on the first time that we filmed there that that was happening i mean we got some stellar evidence so i can't wait for that to be edited now the second location that we did that was meteor f right and bountiful i think so yeah yeah, because we did two, two, two in Utah, one in uh, Idaho. Mm-hmm. I think they were wanting to do one more, but we're we're kind of wanting to get the other ones edited first before we film uh, any more. Yeah, because we want to get uh, uh, it out there to see the results. Yeah, we can film all day long, every day, and just get stuff. But if mm-hmm. it just sits there and just you know nothing happens with it, it's it's kind of pointless. Because I I can't tell you how much. Uh, evidence and stuff we have filmed that we have that may potentially never see the light of day and um 
when we talk about our personal projects that we do, there's some locations that we filmed at that we've already investigated before and got evidence. And the only thing I can think of that potentially is okay is to use some of the evidence that we've used in previous times that we investigated it and throw it into some episodes yeah. just to kind of get get people uh, an idea of stuff. Because, yeah, we everything that we filmed, we've only filmed one night. We have mm. never filmed anything multiple times. Mm. So what we get on that night, that's what we got. And so if some when Shane was telling that some of these people, yeah, they'd spend three nights and film and they get as much as they can to compile it in one episode. We're just there once and we try to get as much as we can. And sometimes we might not get as much as we want, but that's, that's the real realness that we're trying to get. Cause yeah. I understand, you know, production and everything. And I'm going to get a little off topic here with what you're wanting to say, but for what it's worth, I understand most shows out there, you know, they're trying to be, entertaining that's the sole purpose of the show and i get that i understand and things don't upset me when they try to be a little theatrical about stuff and things like that um but when you do the only thing that really bothers me is when you try to fake the evidence or uptake on evidence or even kind of react a little too heavily in some stuff where i'm like all right you're kind of clowning around here you know but um for what it's worth shows are, are great and I understand that they got to take a couple of days because they're trying to get as much as they possibly can and you know the process of everything and, and how much people it involves to get a show done that you don't really notice it's I get it but there are some shows that I think do it better than others and kind of can understand it a little bit um, anything that really I think Nick Groff understands it a good amount um, I don't think his productions are that big as compared to other people but um it's definitely um because what's interesting about uh, paranormal lockdown that he did um he involves the cameraman that follows them around uh actively i mean he gets experiences too you know things happen to him and you know it's it's nice to see that because it, it is it's more than just the people in front of it it's everyone on the crew that's working on the project they're in that haunted location too they're going to experience stuff just as much as the people in front of the camera and so when we did our filming projects yeah you'll see freaking the cameraman the boom guy whoever it is the audio guy you'll see him too because he's reacting to stuff just as much as the people in front of it mm -hmm. so it's 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 very nice to see some of uh, those projects that are not too heavily theatrical um, but are also very good at uh, making it interesting for people to watch but then they're being as truthful as possible. Very much so. I mean, you've basically hit the nail on the head there. So with Media Riff, now, if I remember correctly, the guy that owns Media Riff is Dan's cousin or best friend, something like that. Yeah, I, I know he... They definitely know them uh, closely, yeah. I don't know the exact relation, but I mean, he's also, he's, he's a really cool, nice guy as well. Yeah, definitely nice guy. Yeah. We investigated there. Uh, there's the main area that they set up the, the band equipment and everything, but we had pretty much access to most of the building. There were a couple rooms that were rented out to other people that we didn't have access to stuff like that. And then we got access to the basement. Now down in the basement, that's where I believe we got, 
a good majority of the activity besides in that area where they were playing the music. Um, um, the hallway, I think we got a decent amount in, in, in the, the hallway. hallway too, as well. But the basement, we were communicating with the spirit that was speaking Spanish, and we were getting answers in Spanish. I do remember that. Yeah, not not very common mm-hmm. uh, that that we get that. And I think we probably get it more often than we think when we're listening to like spirit boxes and stuff like that. It's just it's you it's harder to make out uh, English voices mm-hmm. uh, on, on the daily. So at at a different language that most people don't understand, it's it's even harder. So sometimes we're probably even getting in. We're like, oh, I don't really understand what that that is. It just sounds like gibberish or whatever. Yeah. But at this point, there were some words that were saying that I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm pretty sure those those are some Spanish words in there. You know, like listening to it. And what was crazy is uh, so when we were filming down there, um, they had, you know, uh, a boom mic and uh, they had the headphones on. And you can hear it uh, more clearly, obviously, than we can with our ears. Mm-hmm. So they, they gave me the, the headphones and I put it on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can I can hear. They're definitely a Spanish speaking people uh, in this basement with us. And the backstory on that uh, is kind of uh, crazy. I don't know if we're planning on telling it when he edits it that's the other hard thing with uh with uh second party uh editing uh our uh, evidence and investigations because what we get and what we kind of envision it going together is obviously going to be different from the person editing it mm-hmm. so they might have a different vision and so when we get it back we're kind of like you know thinking man this could be done a little bit differently because when we're investigating we're basically trying to build a story with the evidence that we're getting to try to understand why spirits are there and essentially what we are gathering is that this mexican family um is trapped down there because um they were like fleeing from something uh, whether it be uh, like a deportation thing or people were after get them, the previous owner of this building back way back then uh, put these Mexican family in the basement to kind of to hide them from prosecution um, of unfairness probably. And uh, he pro- we gathered that he was going to come back and release them when everything was good. But then the owner of the building, um, got arrested or, or died for some other reason and this he never came back to release this family so mm-hmm. we think that this family died in this basement uh, waiting for to come back so in their minds they're still waiting for this owner to come back to release them mm-hmm. so they're still trapped in this basement and this is what we are gathering through all of our evidence that we were getting so I kind of hope at some point into the editing that that gets brought up somehow mm-hmm. that you know whether it does voiceover or whatever that that gets mingled into that because we are trying to tell a story with these people that are past and died and are trapped there mm-hmm. that's what we hope to get out of it is to get their story into you know film mm-hmm. and everything and uh spoiler alert so we were we actually went and investigated there again for a second time and we were also able to determine that the husband um, got killed while he was out trying to provide for his family and everything. So that on top of everything else, we ended up uh, passing over all three of them uh, the second time that we went and investigated there because it was to the point where there was no need for them to hang out in that basement anymore. They needed to be 
united and go to the light. And we were, Diana and I were able to sort that out. Were you with us when that happened, David? Um, is this not when they did, uh, when we went there the second time with our group? Yeah, I was with our group and we found when, that nefarious we, board there. Yeah, when we were yeah. down in the basement and I was like, something's different with this place. And I yeah. asked if there's a portal here and we got a yes. And then we found out later that there was a Ouija board there. Yep. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Well, we'll go into more detail about that particular investigation on another episode, but that's the as much of a spoiler that we're going to give out at this time. But yes, I, I do hope that they include that story in with that investigation. I, uh, hopefully, Storm and Dan listen to this episode and put that information in there on that particular episode because I think it really brings out the history of that particular location but the next location that we investigated was Leslie's family tree that one was a very intense investigation to say the least for mostly you yeah mostly me I was fine (laughs) yeah Let's just say me and Leslie's family tree just don't have the greatest of history with each other, let's be honest. Which now might be unfortunate enough, but uh, might not have a chance again mm-hmm. to decide that for yourself. Mm-hmm. With it being uh, sold and everything, I think it got sold. Yeah, I heard that it got sold as well, so I'm wondering but if the new owners will allow investigations there again. But I haven't heard any, uh, any news or information from A, the owners, or any people that have been there afterwards i don't even know what it's getting turned into i'm assuming it's going to stay a restaurant because it has the the equipment and the space for a restaurant still i can't imagine it gets turned into anything else but yeah it'll all be dependent on whether or not the owner uh sees it for what it was Mm -hmm. i do know uh the problem that it had um when ghost adventures did it is a lot of the local people uh who lived down there in santa quinn were actually upset that uh, Corey and them was on Ghost Adventures because it felt like they painted a bad name. And so a lot of people actually stopped eating there once it was on Ghost Adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the, the new owners might have been one of those people that didn't like the fact that it was used as ghost hunting. So they might be completely against that. Yeah, could but be. But I think, I think if they see for what it's worth, um, the fact that they have a place that people, A, went to in the past and people know about it, um, you're letting people investigate it after hours. So obviously once work has been closed and you're getting an additional payment for people just to come in when you've already worked the day. I mean, that's, that's extra money. Yeah. But it, it's just one of those things that's, I mean, they can do whatever they want and I won't be upset if I never go there again. Cause I did go there. I did experience it and I got for words for what it's worth out of it. Mm-hmm. And I very much did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe a little upsetting that new people won't be able to experience stuff. Yeah. yeah. But that's up for a different topic, I guess. Yep, exactly. So yeah, it was an intense investigation. We got most of our evidence uh, in the back banquet area and in the basement. In the basement, we got some responses and some equipment going off and everything, but I have some history with that back banquet area uh the first time i investigated there 
Uh, me and the spirit that likes to hang out over there at the bathroom squared off, and then we squared off again during the filming of this episode. Or the project, anyway. Now, I've always condoned no provoking whatsoever, don't provoke. Every once in a while, I tend to go back on what I say, and I provoke, and it ends up biting me in the ass. This was one of those times. Luckily, I didn't do it to the point where I got attacked, but I was damn near close. I mean, I was inches away. It felt like me and him were face to face at that entranceway. And it got to the point where Diana had to shut it all down because if I would have kept on going, shit would have went south real quick, which would have been great for video, but at the same time, it would have been great for everybody else. So... Some of these decisions that we make, definitely we have to keep our protection as a priority versus what we can put out on TV. This was one of those cases. Now, I'm excited about this particular episode because I want to see exactly what they captured because equipment was going off left and right. Uh, I really wish that they could hear the things that were rattling off in my ears and my head due to the fact that, you know, I, I'm sensitive and I have abilities and everything, but some of those things probably won't come across on camera, unfortunately. There's also a little gem hidden in that filming thing that uh, we captured that hopefully eventually gets shown. Which one? Um, when we were in uh, the back... Uh, room uh when we were uh like the eating little dining room area where it's like it's own little private room yeah the back banquet area and we thought everyone was in that room and then someone comes in and opens the door right where you're standing and you uh lost your shit oh yeah <laughs> and it was all on camera oh yeah i remember that i can't can't believe i forgot about that where yeah you shit your pants yeah i about shit myself i about <laughs> hit the deck and passed out I ain't gonna yeah. lie. I think we laughed for a solid oh, five minutes. We were yeah. like, that just stopped everything. Oh, yeah. We got, like, what, two different perspectives on it, uh, camera-wise? Yeah, oh, my camera, man. Storm's camera. Yeah, that was that was glorious. I think I made everybody's night that night. Oh. But, yeah, I don't, I don't remember getting a lot uh, in, in the basement, surprisingly, where everyone, I think, has a majority of their activity. Yeah. And they did... Do you remember, did they have it cleaned out when we filmed there? I can't remember. In the basement? Yeah, I've been there like four times now and I yeah, can't remember. Yeah, I think so. I think this they was, did. This was actually near uh, the end. I know that was the, when we filmed that, that was the last time we were there. Mm -hmm. um, but they actually had the basement uh, kind of kind of emptied. Like the first time in, in since we've been there, the few times we have. It was always cluttered with stuff down there. This time it was actually, I think... Uh, there was a little less stuff than there normally was in there. Yeah. But we, we honestly didn't get a lot down there. We kind of got everything upstairs. Obviously, we didn't get much in the kitchen, mm -hmm. um, besides the fact that we were pretty sure that there is a, still a water elemental in that kitchen. Yeah. But uh, no, we didn't really get a lot. I mean, obviously, we didn't do much with the bathroom area. We just kind of did the dining and then the little banquet room where they where they did their, their set. Mm-hmm. Which, if you know what that place looks like, it's obviously not the biggest. So imagine having all this uh, heavy equipment with, you know, 
drum kit and everything. So we were really cramped. I think that was the s- smallest place we filmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Media Rift's a close second because there was a lot of stuff in that place too. Yeah. Um, but for what it's worth, for how small the venue is, I think the bigger the venue you, you get, the harder it is to get evidence. And the smaller the venue, you have more chance to get more evidence because there's not a lot of places for spirits to hide you know what mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. so we have more easier chance of finding them when it is a smaller venue and it's interesting because you want you want the big the bigger the better the venue right you have all this room to do and film and stuff uh from a filming perspective you want mm-hmm. a big area but as an investigator you kind of want it to be smaller so you can find the spirits easier so it's very interesting uh, for the correlation that we get versus the bigger spaces and then the smaller spaces because you got the Union Station where it's a big space and we can get some stuff and then you got Great Cliff Lodge where it's smaller but then we get more stuff as well than we got at Union Station mm-hmm. yeah definitely I mean it, it it's essentially at the end of the day is it's finding that sweet spot because obviously as an investigator you don't want the location to be huge but at the same time when you're filming you want it to be huge so you want it to be right there in the middle to be able to get good evidence and good coverage at the same time and that's the type of balance that we were fighting with when we were doing some of these locations i mean some locations were bigger than others like albion was by far the biggest and the media riff was a solid second and then leslie's family tree was a third on size wise but i feel like the type of activity we got was pretty equal across the board on all three locations. And everything we film, it's all commercial or stuff. We, we're never going to ever film an episode where we're in someone's house. That's not yeah. something we do. That yeah. is a totally separate thing that uh, Bear River Paranormal will do. Like, if anything, if we do more filming, which I do hope to do because I do love filming in the process of it, um, I'd like to do where Bear River Paranormal... Uh, caters to our clients on a private matter and then to hope to have that uh, commercial side of the group that we do filming projects and it's something different from Bear River Paranormal. We can attach the name to the project but it's more like uh, the crew from Bear River Paranormal or BRP. I like to just hyphenate it because it's easier Um, in association with and then we title it the, the film project for what it is mm-hmm. and we just just tack our name onto it but it's not our private group that's filming stuff because when we deal with our clients on a, a private matter if they don't want any, you know we're never gonna film in someone's house that is just yeah to me disrespectful and explo- exploiting you know their yeah their issues that they're having and we don't yeah. we don't want to do that exactly so uh just real quickly i just want to give a big shout out to storm and dan now we look forward to working with you guys in the future we're super excited to see these episodes once they're done edited and everything like that and we definitely want to continue with you guys and everything and maybe i hope that they uh can potentially do uh when 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 storm's editing is maybe uh get our opinions on how we think it should be you know get us keep us involved with how he's editing it because Mm -hmm. that i think was the biggest problem that we had when we did our our other group is he he just did his own thing edit it for what he thought and then presented to us and we we had concerns so if maybe we can be involved with how it's getting edited and things are communication between us 
is good, then we could potentially make it better than oh, yeah. what it could be. Yeah, that, and I do believe he's still wanting to do, like, a sit-down interview with everybody that was involved as well. So I think once he gets all that, then he will get everything edited and everything like that. But yes, I do agree. Um, if they can just keep us in the loop and get our opinions on some of the editing and some of the evidence and stuff like that, and just have a line of communication open, I think that would be great. Because that, that's the biggest thing these days is people don't know how to communicate. If people could just communicate, I think a lot of issues could be resolved. And a lot of projects wouldn't fizzle out if there was communication. And I think that's the biggest thing that we need is just the communication aspect. Now, obviously, if they, if Dan and Storm have their uh, opinions about how it, how it should be formatted and, and edited and everything like that, great. But at least keep us informed and get our opinions on a few things that would be much appreciated we just don't want to be left blind and then get presented a filming project and then we end up hating it you know what i mean so the next project that we did david and i went and did a filming project with paul welch at the jackson house in eureka nevada now that was quite an interesting investigation we had quite a few piece of evidence that come out of that investigation that we presented over to him and in fact I believe he already has it edited and out. Yeah, he did it in parts. Yeah. So if you want to look up the Jackson House investigation, you can um, you can look that up on YouTube or Facebook or whatever. But essentially it was David and I Paul was the film guy uh, he had a couple people over from Reno come over, Mesh and a few others. And then a a few other a couple other utah people come up as well uh jerry and uh zach to do the to do this project and we were there for a total of what three days david yeah two two nights yeah um we drove in friday night and we left sunday well yeah we drove in it mm. was a long drive yes that it was. drive was by far the worst drive I've ever done and because by the time we got into Nevada from Ogden, Utah basically um, it was dark mm-hmm. and driving on a single road in a pitch black and eventually we'd be going over this hill I'm like okay this town's going to be right here this town's going to be right here nope more vast darkness and I'm like oh my god <laughs> when are we going to ever get there it took a long time to get there oh yeah yeah I've I think it it took us less time. Like it felt like the drive was faster going back to Utah than it was going to Eureka, because it was daytime and we could see stuff. Yeah, and when we went to Eureka, it was in the pitch of night, and it was it was to the point where we were the only ones on the road for the longest time, and you know that's how that's how people get abducted and anal probed by the aliens. So it was quite a quite a interesting journey nonetheless but by the time we got there we said hi to everybody and then we went to bed and then we what, checked out the town the next day ate at some good eateries did some filming uh, which is funny because the, that's one of the few times that we've ever actually spent the night at a haunted location before because I know there's shows that do do that um which are phenomenal, but I mean, they feel themselves doing it. We, we mm-hmm. didn't, but uh, it's just funny to me when I'm staying at a, a, 
haunted location, uh, whether it's extreme or not, that if I'm sleeping and I'm tired, I don't care what the activity is, I am sleeping. <laughs> like a spirit will literally have to rip me out of my bed for me to care what's happening. I mean, there was one night, I'm laying in bed watching YouTube, David's asleep in the other bed, and all of a sudden I just hear something hit the ground, like something hit the ground, like out of nowhere. So I get up, I look around, can't really see anything out of the ordinary, but obviously I was half asleep, about ready to fall asleep, and then that happened, and so that woke me up, and now I'm here I am wide awake. The next day, I go looking, and for some reason, a bag of coffee got flopped onto the ground. Don't know how that happened. It was right there in our room while David was sleeping and I was half awake, so this is just an example of what could happen when you sleep in a haunted location. But I think the activity itself was decent at best. I think the more hair-raising part was the kitchen. But all in all, I mean, it was a beautiful location. I did a time-lapse there on my camera. It was, uh, it was quite a fun investigation nonetheless, and I'm pretty sure we got quite a bit of evidence from there as well. I got a lot of funny feedback from, from, from those clips, though. Oh, you did? Uh, primarily when uh, we were getting interviewed. Oh, for yeah? For some reason. I got a lot of people saying to me, why are you, why, you look angry. Why are you angry? And I'm like, I wasn't. I was nervous, goddammit. <laughs> I was like right. my first time doing uh, that type of interview before, and I didn't really know what to do or to expect, so I just was just keeping a straight face and just trying to think of what I can hurry and say whatever they asked me and stuff but mm -hmm. a lot of people are like yeah you look really angry and I was like I, I wasn't I was very excited to be there mm -hmm. yeah and I kind of like those interviews that we did I mean just sitting at the bar getting a drink having a drink and just bullshitting I, I think that's a great interview process I, I don't know like I'm torn because I kind of like the solo interviews and make it like dark and eerie and stuff like that but then I also like the interviews where you sit down next to your best friend with a camera and you're just shooting the shit and answering questions and drinking a beer you know so I kind of like both of those and I really like for the setting that the Jackson house was that we had that kind of interview where we were just sitting back and having a drink so I think that was that was pretty cool I think that really was one of the better interviews that I've ever done for a filming project and then the uh, going over the equipment too that was pretty fun as well and then the rest of the time it was just basically just hanging out investigating eating you know stuff like that so it was it was a fun it was a fun journey definitely want to go back to that place again cool little town good food there now this next little bit is uh, is just me David wasn't involved in this particular filming part but I got asked by Paul to, to help out with his filming project that he had with uh, Danielle and uh, Catherine and a few other people. It was, it was fun, not gonna lie, it was, it was a fun time uh, filming with them, investigating them and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, I just have too many things on my plate and I needed to trim the fat, so to speak. So I ended up dropping out of their filming project to focus on my group and the things that I need to do for my group and everything. 
in which it has panned out pretty nicely. We got the podcast episode, podcast up and going, um, working on residential cases, working on the filming project, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it worked out. It was fun. We did some pretty fun locations. Not going to lie. It was, it was quite fun. But at the end of the day, I had to put my priorities first before everybody else's. So I definitely, uh, if you want to go watch their stuff, just hit up Paul Welch or Danielle or uh, Catherine on Facebook. They're from Spirits R Us. Uh, they'll point you in the right direction on where their, their episodes are at and everything like that. But all in all, with our filming project that we have, we what investigated one location and we did uh, haunted objects. Those are what we are working on right now. Uh, like I touched at the beginning of the episode, it's it's a very daunting task if you've never done this type type of stuff before. Like I've never outside of the paranormal, I've never done filming projects. I've never edited a video I've never edited audio or even pictures or anything like that until I got into the paranormal and then you know it's not like I really had anybody there to teach me I everything that I've learned is self-taught and now that we lived in live in this glorious age of YouTube and everything like that you could just YouTube something on how to edit something or or apply a filter or all that good jazz so it's a slow learning process I kind of wish I had some background in video production and video editing and stuff like that. So that way it would make it a little easier to do this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a new, it's a new skill to learn. It's a new trade to learn. And if we become good with it and if everything takes off, like we hope that happens, we, you know, we could easily turn this into our day to day living. You know what I mean? Yeah, because the hardest thing for, for, for you is that for your job, you are on the computer. You know, that's what you, you do for, for a living anyways. So it's hard for you to spend six to seven to eight hours a day working. And then as soon as you're off work, go back on the computer and now start editing our stuff. I mean, that's very taxing to be on the computer all day, 24 seven. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt for you there because I, I work in construction. I'm outside all the time. And so I've actually got a new computer setup that I recently just got and uh, put together. And so I'm I'm hoping to start learning more of editing. And so hopefully I can try to take some of the load off of editing our, our projects and try to learn as well to try to get our, our stuff out there. And yeah, who knows? We can get to the point where we get good at editing our own stuff that we can start farming out our editing to other people mm-hmm. and, you know, have a have a productions of our own. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, editing is the hardest part. And honestly, if we had the ability to find someone who we trust, I would pay them to edit our stuff because yeah. editing is so difficult to do. Yeah, in which a lot of people that have careers on making videos and everything like that, they started out editing their own. And then once they got big enough, they ended up hiring out people to edit their videos and everything while they're, while they're filming and everything. So it's not uncommon for that to happen. I definitely would love to get to that point, you know, because I think out of everything, you know, I mean, you could do hours of research, you could do the investigation, you can go over the evidence and everything. I think the most daunting task is the actual putting together the episode and producing the episode. Everything else, we know like the back of our hand, 
you know, we've done the investigations, we've done the research, we've done the uh, evidence review and evidence reveal and stuff like that. That stuff is common and easy to do and everything because we've done it for so long. Now it's just producing it, formatting it, and getting it out to the public to see how we do things is the most daunting task. So hopefully here soon we can put our nose down to the to the to the ground and just beat feet and just get working on it you know now that david has a new computer and everything now we can start teaching him the ropes he can start learning some new things i can start learning some new things and then at the end of the day we'll be working in tandem to to produce these things and then once we get big enough we could definitely hire in some new help and everything which would be nice to get some help especially for someone that has a lot of experience with some of these editing programs would be a huge plus yeah because one of the reasons why uh me and shane sat down and just decided to try to do this ourselves is so we could get what our vision is of how we want things to be it's in our control we can make it how we want to make it that's why we wanted to kind of start doing our own stuff it's just it's been very difficult between uh we filmed it but now you know we have our own lives and then every time we get a break to try to work on our stuff we get a new client and as soon as we do a new investigation we have to get their stuff out way before we even touch our stuff so it keeps getting put on the back burner on the back burner and then you know i started doing the podcasting now the podcasting is obviously going to start coming first before this too because this content needs to get out to you guys and it's easier for shane to do this rather than the other stuff so obviously this is going to come out first yeah so when we first started doing the podcast, um, it took me about a week to edit one episode. Here we are recording episode 12 now. It takes me less than two days to edit a podcast episode. Now, some episodes are longer than others. You know, some episodes are only like 50 minutes. Some episodes are like an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. You know, there, there's a wide range. But it got to the point where I have my presets and favorites saved on Adobe Editions. The only thing that I have to do is just go through and do just slight edits, like if we do a pause or if I'm clearing my throat by accident. If you guys haven't noticed, I have allergies going on right now, so I sound a little bit different. So this one's going to be a little more heavily edited than the other ones are. And then obviously adding in the music, the intro, the outro, stuff like that. But once you have, like, this goes back to the whole, you know, once you have your presets and your favorites set, it makes editing ten times easier. So I went from taking six to seven days to edit one episode, condensed it down to less than two days. And mainly it's just the longest part of it is just listening over the audio once over making the appropriate edits there then throwing it all together listening to it again to see if there's any more edits that need to be done and then producing the episode so like the next episode that is coming out on our channel i've already had that done and edited and everything but i went ahead and re-listened to it and i already found a couple edits that i didn't make on it so i need to go back in make those edits render it again and it should be good to go 
which is it's interesting that you're doing that because I know a lot of people that when they do podcasts they actually if there are mistakes that they have and they really don't want to edit it they just leave leave it in yeah you know there's some podcasts that leave like you know the, the coughing or the, the, the clearing of throat or maybe even the, the stuttering that I probably do often that you edit because um, my brain's going a million mi- miles an hour mm-hmm. um, some people just leave that in yeah, there, there's been certain instances where some of the edits that I would like to make, just I can't because then right. it just makes it sound weird and everything. But I think it also kind of brings out the personality of you and the personality of me. Like uh, when we first started this, I was so nitpicky. Like anytime that I breathed, anytime I did anything, I was like muting that. And that's what was taking the majority of the time. Since then, I upgraded my microphone. I've... Uh, got an insulation box around my microphone and everything with the spit shield and really once i'm done editing and i have the music applied and everything like that you really can't hear me breathe but the other microphone like amplified it like tenfold i mean it was bad i mean they're both the same product i mean i went from a yeti snowball to a yeti nano and so far the yeti nano has been by far the best microphone that i've heard so far but i mean it's I I was picky, but now I'm not so picky because I feel like our first few episodes, it was really just, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I wouldn't say it's like professional, professional, but I guess I had my expectations up here, but I just kind of lowered them down because honestly, I feel like for podcasting, we need to be more personable with the audience. And so I left a few of the things in like some of my gaffes, some of my laughs you know some of david stuttering you know i love some of that stuff in because it brings out the personality in a person and it really just shows the type of person that they are i mean like david my mind goes a thousand miles an hour and sometimes the right words just can't come out of my mouth david knows this you know i have to make my own edits you know and sometimes i'll leave those in sometimes i just take them out especially if it makes me look make me sound like i'm a complete idiot or something you know but that that's just how the humans are so at the end of the day once we get familiarized both of us and we start editing everything you should start seeing some fabulous things coming from us here in the near future so we're not going to talk about any locations or any clients on this particular episode because we just went over a good hour of our filming experience and everything like that and the locations that we were at so the piece of equipment that i would like to touch on is the SB7 and SB11 Spirit Box. Now, if you've been in the paranormal or if you watch the paranormal shows, you should be very aware of what the SB7 or the SB11 is. Basically, it's a device that scans through radio frequencies, forwards and reverse, AM and FM. You can change the speed of the sweep and everything like that. And then you can either use the onboard speaker, you can use a external speaker when doing the spirit box sessions now when i first got into the paranormal the hot thing to have when i got in was having an sb7 with an antec lansing speaker i have the speaker now uh i still don't really have an sb7 i mean i have one david donated it to me because it was uh it had some issues uh battery leaked acid everywhere and now you can't really use it unless you plug it into a wall outlet which is unfortunate, but, you know, it is what it is. But David does have an SB11, 
Now the SB11 is the upgraded version of the SB7. Now the SB7 is just the basic forwards, backwards, change the speeds, AM, FM, what have you. The SB11 has two banks. So you can run one in FM reverse, you, the second one in AM reverse, and you can set it to the same speed. And then obviously you can customize it that way. The speaker on the SB11 is a lot better than the SB7. However, I have seen numerous people use like two different speakers connected to this device to, to use it properly and everything. And it also has a light on it too, and a red light, if I remember correctly. Yep, yeah, it does. We've, we've used both of them in the past on investigations. They have worked great. You just kind of have to just weed through the bullshit, you know, because it's using the radio wave, so it has an antenna, so it is going to pick up the radio stations and everything. So that's why we like to do everything in reverse at 150 milliseconds. So that way, if a voice does come through, we know it's not bullshit and we know it's not a radio station. It, it could potentially be something. And it's the same thing with the SB11 as well. Now, David, you've had the SB11 and SB7. What are your takes on these equipment? Um, well, for, for any of them, I definitely highly recommend an external speaker anyways, just because it is hard to listen, even if you're holding the thing up to your ear. Um, so I always recommend having an external speaker for either. Um, the SB7, haven't used much often but yeah you do get a lot of radio frequencies from both of them mm. um so it does make sense to run it in reverse to try to weed it out as much as possible um i also do like the sb11 more than the sb7 obviously uh for mm. the fact that it has uh more functionality to what what i can choose to get to get it right um i just find that it's you don't get as much uh words through it i feel like as you do uh, with other uh, devices that we have. Um, I think it's harder mm -hmm. for spirits to uh, hijack the radio frequency to, to, to get their voices heard yeah. through it. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I I don't use them much because we have so much other equipment that we use first. Um, I can't tell you the last time I used the SB11, but it's nice to have in case... I ever need it. Yeah, it. as an option. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at with most of the equipment. I mean, now we pretty much have our our, our set piece of equipment that are favorites that we definitely like to use, and then mm -hmm. I just like to get a piece of equipment that you know I have if I need it, versus type of thing, or other equipment that I just have because I wanted to test it out, whether mm -hmm. or not I like to use it or not. I still have it, um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I haven't used them on many investigations lately. I don't think I've used the SB11 in over a year. For a hot minute, yeah. yeah definitely a over a year. Yeah, we haven't used the... Uh, yeah, we haven't used the SB7 for a while as well. Because of another piece of equipment that you have that you're probably going to talk about uh, later. Yep, on another episode, we'll be talking about another piece of equipment that's similar, but not so much. So make sure you tune in for that episode as well. Because I have a lot of good things to say about this piece of equipment. Yeah, I think I think it's a better than the SB7 or SB11, in yep. my opinion. I think there's a lot about it that just is better. Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. But there is there is a drawback to it, but we'll talk about it. Yep. So yeah, so the SP7 and SP11, they're they're good pieces of equipment. Just make sure you have external speakers for those pieces of equipment. And we've gotten quite a bit of evidence from the SP7, and we've gotten some from the SP11 as well. I mean, it's just like any other piece of equipment that we talk about. It's hit and miss. I def would I recommend it? Yeah, I definitely recommend it. You are going to be dropping a pretty coin though. I mean. The the SP7 is going for like sixty bucks. I think yeah, the upgraded I, version of it is like seventy five dollars. Yeah, it's uh, eighty bucks for SP7 right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what the price for SP11 it is. It's obviously a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think it was like one hundred fifty or something like that. But they have another device that I don't remember if we talked about it. Yet, but it's called the S Box. It's a Ghost Boss Box Plus recorder. Oh yeah. I'm going to have you talk about that one on another episode because we have a pretty lengthy review on that one, and that one is god-awful. Yeah, I definitely have it, but it's it's not my favorite. Yeah. So, yeah, we both recommend getting an SP-7 or an SP-11 for your paranormal investigations. Now, obviously, the particular uh, speaker that I have, the Antec Lansing, if you can find it on eBay or on Amazon or something that's still new or lightly used or whatever, I would definitely get it, but you will be paying out a premium. I've seen people use those portal boxes with SB7s and SB11s. You can definitely use that as well. The portal boxes, they're basically like a speaker with a bunch of wires coming out of it and, and crystals and all the, and all those good and all that good jazz that other people make and or they mass produce and they sell it out on the market and everything you can go that route as well if you want to fork over the coin but just a simple like bluetooth speaker that has an audio jack on it will just will work just as well yeah i'd eventually like to get a portal um but yeah they are just crazy expensive right now that mm-hmm. they I don't feel the need to uh, try to get it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can't remember wh- who sells the portals. I think Ghost Hunters Equipment does sell portals, if I remember correctly. There's, There's been so many places that have popped up lately that have been selling those portals. Yeah, because I mean, people obviously make, make, make their own mm-hmm. uh, if, if they want to, but I know there's a specific uh, place... Uh, sells them exclusively. Mm. I just don't remember. I think it's yeah from like by Ghost Augustine, isn't it? Yeah, it's by Ghost Augustine. So Ghost Hunters Equipment or Ghost Hunter, yeah, GhostHuntersEquipment.com. Um, I mean, they also sell SLS two. That's mm-hmm. uh I, obviously cheaper than anything digital dowsing does. Yeah. Um, and they also have a uh, a line of uh, EMF stuff with a the pair of ice line, whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. Para four, CE. Oh, Para Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you have some of that stuff too, which yeah, which is nice. Yeah, that's the off-brand of the REM pod that I have and the static meter. Yeah, cause uh, the SB11 on there is like a hundred and thirty dollars. Hmm. But like, uh, yeah, a, a portable uh, compact is like four hundred, five hundred dollars. Yeah. And then if you go for uh, a different version, it's seven hundred dollars. Yeah. And then there's people that convert those old record players to portal boxes as well. I've seen those floating around Facebook. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. 
right. I got one of those those record players. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty cool. Right. But I like I like playing my music on it, so I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's our episode. So if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, reach out to us or anything like that. But we thank you for tuning into your Monday and listening to us. We hope that you guys see some of the stuff that we're doing in the background, some of the stuff that we would like to do and everything on top of doing investigations, helping out clients, and so on and so forth. But we thank you so much for tuning in to us, and you have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. You are listening to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast, BRP Podcast. If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at BRP Podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring us, or if you like your products featured on the show, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.